the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick T Podcast, and I am Nick DeGilio. I am your host. Welcome to episode number 127 on a Tuesday. Yeah. Hey, thanks for checking us out. We are on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You probably know that. You must know that. You listen to the podcast. Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the best podcast network in the world. We have tons of varied and entertaining and informative and funny and awesome podcasts that you need to check out. A ton of them. Uh, you check out right here at RadioMisfits.com, including I have a second podcast. In addition to this one, I host one about Saturday Night Live, and it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. New episodes every Wednesday posted right here at RadioMisfits.com and wherever you get your podcast. Uh, make sure you check it out. It's a lot of fun, uh, informative, and really cool. Um, I've been watching Saturday Night Live since the very first episode in October of 1975, and all of that ridiculous trivia and vast knowledge that I have I am sharing with you every Wednesday on That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. And the latest episode that's up right now um, is with Dana DiLorenzo, my future ex-wife, the great actress from Ash vs. Evil Dead and so many movies in The Late Late Show with uh, Craig Ferguson. Um, She and I uh, go through her childhood, basically, and talk about her inspirations from Saturday Night Live, what got her into comedy, and we play back a bunch of really fun clips and talk about some of her favorite things and our favorite things from SNL past. Uh, I'm really proud of this Saturday Night Live podcast, um, and I love the show, and I have a passion for it, and I love uh, love doing it. A new episode will drop, uh, in fact, tomorrow on Wednesday, as it does every Wednesday. So check it out. That, again, is right here at Radio Misfits uh, Podcast Network. Hey, you want to be a sponsor on this podcast or on the SNL podcast? Hey, let us know. Uh, We reach a lot of people. If you advertise with us, it'll be good for you. So do it. Be a sponsor. Advertise on the Nick T Podcast or on uh, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. Uh, You can contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Anytime you want to advertise with us, let us know. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for everybody. Sales at radiomisfits.com. You want to be a part of the Nick T Podcast? regularly our voicemail messages are open constantly 24 7 we really encourage you to uh, give us a voicemail give us feedback any kind of comments anything if you have a request for the magic megaphone message you have something that you want to hear told through the megaphone going out into the ether so that so many people hear it an inside joke a line from a movie some sort of setup, anything, a greeting to someone whatever it is i'm your monkey and i will speak into the magic megaphone it will be magic and you will hear it so if you got a message that you want to share, please do. 773-417-6948. That's the voicemail uh, system right here. Again, open 24-7 anytime at all you feel like calling and leave a message. We want to hear from you. We listen to every one of them. We play a lot of them back on the, on the podcast as well. So give us your voicemails anytime you want. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime with suggestions and me- megaphone messages and any comments you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs is the great, talented guy who does all the music and the audio and the fun stuff. 
And Ed is my main man at Radio Misfits, who puts it all together for us. Uh, so there you go. All right, coming up, uh, Dan Feinberg joins us. Yes, every other week, Dan Feinberg joins us. He's the best TV critic in the country, incredible writer. We love to talk TV, and we love to hear back from you again. If you have TV questions or TV comments, again, uh, 773-417-6948, nicktpodcast at gmail.com for any TV-related questions. Uh, we're lucky enough to have Dan Feinberg join us every other week. So it's a Dan Feinberg episode. He writes for The Hollywood Reporter in the fine print as well. And Esmeralda Leon, who is my uh, partner uh, in the third segment of every episode. She will join me. We have another magic megaphone message to do. we got some more Mexican candy to taste that we're going to talk about. Again, there are so many of them. We're going to talk about solutions to problems that actually make the problems worse. And it's Tuesday, which means my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. Yes, my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke, and he'll say hi to this hi, woman. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Hi, yes. I'm Carrie Russell, yes. and I love Nick's show. So all of that is coming up right here on the Nick D Podcast. I thank you very much for subscribing. Please spread the word. Rate and review us on every single platform. We want to hear back from you. That's what it is, the, the, the open-door policy. You're a part of this podcast, so be a part of it. Voicemail us, email us, rate us, review us, all of that cool stuff. And let your friends know as well. Dan Feinberg is the TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. Let's say hello to him right after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. That's right. That somewhere else is L.A. And it is Dan Feinberg, and he is our guest every other week. Uh, One of our great regular guests here. We love to talk entertainment and movies and TV and stuff, and when we talk TV, we talk to Dan Feinberg, who writes for The Hollywood Reporter and has a website and a blog and a part of the Hollywood Reporter called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. And we welcome Dan back to the podcast. Hi, Dan. How are you doing, Nick? All right, man. How are you? Plugging away, plugging away, enjoying the fact that it has temporarily stopped raining in Los Angeles. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had my, uh, my good friend and my future ex-wife, Dana DiLorenzo, um, <laughs> on my other podcast, my Saturday Night Live podcast. Um, I had Dana on, you know, because she's worked in comedy and was obviously influenced by that. And actually... Um, actually uh, was was almost booked on uh, Mad TV hmm. uh, and was booked on a Jamie Foxx-produced uh, sketch comedy show that I actually never saw. She did the pilot, but it never actually went to series. As you know, that happens a lot. But we talked about uh, her you know, influences and played back a bunch of clips that she used to like to listen to when she was younger and all that stuff. And it was a lot of fun going through the SNL world with her. But she did indeed tell me what a crazy... I mean, just insane. She's confirming everything we've read and her. I mean, there was a tornado outside of L.A. There was. I've what? only seen the pictures of it, so it did not impact me. But yeah, no, we've we've been getting a entirely geographically non-representative assortment of weather the past couple 
months basically it's, so yeah. uh, nuts i mean she was telling me all about it and this was actually the day i taped with her um the next morning was when the tornado hit and i was like what is happening what you know tornadoes are common here you know we hear about them all the time in the spring i mean this is tornado season we're in right now we're getting into it so but like l outside of la my god oh to be sure the fact that we've had to deal with snow and and hail and tornadoes pretty much makes us like everywhere else we understand that but we still have earthquakes and all the other stuff that we have too so well (sighs) anyway all's well well is what i'm saying all's well is fine now it's calm and it's happy and you're good today i'm in a particularly good mood because uh i don't know about an hour ago uh, I just I found out through the world of social media is that Molly Shannon is going to come back to host Saturday Night Live in two weeks. So I am beside myself with excitement. She is indeed. They've got a a solid uh, lineup of people coming through April. They've got Quinta Brunson. They've got Molly Shannon. They've got Anna de Armas. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? I'm looking forward to it. I don't, you know, and uh, and I and I'm I'm really hope that Anna de Armas kills, um, and I think she will. Um, but I don't know. I'm just I root for her because like. You know, everybody's slammed her because of Blonde and all this other stuff. And, and I, I'm a fan of hers, big time. I mean, she got, there There was some slamming of the movie. She still got nominated for an Oscar she for did. it. So she's she doing did. okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I understand that. But I, like the nomination was like, why is she nominated? It was her, you know, like, I don't know. It just, anyway. But I like her. And I I hope she's funny. And I think she will be. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to it. But man, Molly Shannon, come on. I mean, it's the only, the second time she's ever hosted, which is astonishing to me. It so. is a little odd that she hasn't popped up more i mean i assume that she's probably guested on a few episodes just in the process right yeah i I would i would assume she's popped up she's popped up a few times here and there i mean most notably when every you know almost every female cast member living female cast member showed up when betty white hosted for mother's day yes you know uh they or at least the mothers the cast members that were what the female cast members who were mothers showed up uh for that so that was memorable um but yeah, no, she's popped up here and there, but the only time she's ever hosted before that was 2007, and, uh, and it was a great show, and it was a great show. So, And it's funny because she's uh, almost, I think she's almost 60 now, so is, she gonna, is, so is Sally O'Malley going to be 60 now? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're going to have to wait a few weeks, and we will I, find out I, the answer to all of your questions. Exactly. I will be watching with bated breath, and I can't wait. Okay, Dan Feinberg is here. Hollywood Reporter is where you can read him and the fine print. F-I-E-N, um, and also this uh, podcast. Please tell everyone about the TV's top five podcast that you do weekly. It drops on Fridays. Tell us about the latest episode. Indeed. Uh, TV's top five podcast. I do it every week with Leslie Goldberg, uh, my Hollywood Reporter colleague. She is a fantastic reporter, and so she approaches the news from that perspective, whereas I approach it from my critical perspective. And each week we take on the week's headlines and we generally have a a showrunner interview so this past week we had uh the shield and terriers creator sean ryan to talk about the night agent on netflix and it was just a it was just a great interview we talked to him for over an hour we talked about the shield we talked about terriers we talked about night agent but also he has been on multiple the wga that would be the writers guild of america for people who don't follow the biz uh, negotiating committees in multiple negotiations with the studios. And while he is not on the upcoming negotiations committee for 
a potentially looming strike, uh, he was able to give insight into the process, into how this version is different from past years. It's a, a really good conversation. So yeah, that's that's TV's top five, and it drops every Friday early, early morning. Well, since we're we're talking about that, so everybody check it out. TV's top five, uh, check it out. But uh, Night Agent, I've not I've not watched it uh, as of yet, and you you enjoyed it. Actually. I did. I did. It's it's not great. It's not deep. It's not nuanced. But it is, however, a solid and proficient version of adapting a beach read or an airplane novel. So it's based on a kind of pulpy novel by by Matthew Quirk. And it's the story of a young FBI agent who has run afoul with his superiors and he gets put into perhaps the least challenging job in the world he basically sits in a windowless office in the white house in front of a phone that never rings then the phone rings and it's a young woman who needs help and who has become embroiled in a conspiracy that goes all the way to the top as all good conspiracies should. And uh, yeah, so that they end up going on the run. Everybody is suspecting that he may have been involved in horrible crimes. He has to clear his name. He has to protect her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It stars uh, Gabriel Basso, who some people will remember as a sullen teenager in the big C, but he's all grown up and he's been doing his curls and his, uh, his <laughs> bench pressing and whatnot. He's, he's now all buff and stuff. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 it moves very, very fast. It has a couple episodes in the early middle, I would say probably episodes three to five, maybe where it kind of slows down a little bit for exposition and and maybe gets a little less than speedy, but then it picks up and yeah, whether, you know, whether you just want to sort of pigeonhole it as being the kind of show that your dad would like or that your uncle would like or whatever, I think you can absolutely say probably your dad would like it or your uncle would like it. But it's it's a solid version of the thing that it's trying to be. Amazon has had a number of shows like this, uh, and it makes sense for the Amazon business model because they, yeah. of course, want you to buy as many books as you can and exactly. anything. Right. Whereas it doesn't necessarily make as much sense for Netflix, but it's a solid show and it appears to, again, never knowing in any way whatsoever how anything does on Netflix, but it did spend the whole weekend on Netflix trending as it were so people seem to be enjoying it okay all right so that's out there now all the all the episodes are, are already in there so you can watch them all if you want to binge indeed it's okay, uh 10 episodes 10 episodes there one or two of them are over 50 minutes they're mostly in the 50 ish minute range okay and i know you enjoy that that running time that's one. it is it's just always superior to the alternative let me tell you yeah okay all right so that's the night agent on netflix and out there now and again if you want to uh hear the interview with uh with uh, uh sean ryan the the uh the the show runner you can always check out uh the the t- uh, tv's top five okay um since we are on uh netflix um I know you reviewed it, but I have to tell you, uh, I don't know if I've laughed harder um, at a show in a long time than I have at Agent Elvis. Um, (laughs) I laughed my – I watched every episode. I laughed my ass off, Um, and I happen to love everybody involved in it. I'm a huge McConaughey fan, huge. And um, I love all the voice talent involved in it and the people behind it. 
where, how did this come up and what, where did, do we know where, who came up with this idea and explain to people what it is? Cause I think it's, I just think it's an absolute riot. I love it. So explain agent orange or agent orange, agent Elvis. If you can. I cannot explain agent orange. It's a chemical compound, <laughs> but that is way outside right. of my, uh, my right. purview slash pay grade. Um, <laughs> But yes, so Agent Elvis, it's uh it is an animated comedy that has the premise what if Elvis Presley were recruited to work as a secret agent for a shady government agency, etc. And that yeah. is the that is the premise. It is created uh, by, by the way, I, I would like to say that it's actually more historically accurate than Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. I just want to say that. Oh, uh, I I was absolutely going to get there in a second, but and, okay, I, and I and I still will. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's created by among other people, Priscilla Presley, uh, who who voices herself in the series, but also right. created by John Eddy, who's a who's a musician, and uh, it's the, the animation is sort of vaguely Archer esque, and the showrunner uh, Mike Arnold is a a veteran of Archer, and and there's some of that to this, yeah, uh, but also. It's sort of intrinsic to the look is the fact that uh, John Vervados sort of designed Elvis's wardrobe for the series, which is kind of a misnomer since most of it is, as you say, based on actual Elvis outfits, Elvis material, etc. Right. I didn't laugh all that much at the series, but I did get a kick out of just how much of it actually is accurate not yeah. accurate not accurate in a this exactly literally happened right. but very much accurate in a this is kind of the the outline of what actually happened historically <laughs> yeah. in certain respects so so for example he spends the series with his with his chimpanzee scatter uh who is his his partner in crime uh chimpanzee who he rescued and and who has according to this a drinking and cocaine problem uh is that a hundred percent accurate no but is it some percent accurate. Did he have a chimpanzee named Scatter who had an alleged alcohol problem? Yes, he absolutely did. And it's one thing after another where you go, wait, was this a thing that actually happened? (laughs) And if you go and research, the answer is pretty consistently kind of. It really is kind of what happened. And I I dig that. It, It is absolutely a sense where someone went through the historical record for Elvis's life in the late sixties and early seventies and said, what are the lines that we can connect between things? What are the familiar images, whether it's the 1968 comeback special or the uh, notorious slash famous picture of Elvis with Richard Nixon, et cetera. What what is the thing that is actually real that we can use as a pivot to do something ridiculous around? And I I like that. I I think it's I think in that it is very funny. There are a lot of fantastic guest voices. Some of them are are kind of very obvious in the animated space. So having Jason Manzukas as as Howard Hughes is funny, but you know, Jason Manzukas yeah. is in everything. He's yeah. sort of yeah. there. You have Ed Holmes as uh Robert Goulet, who is Elvis's rival. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh randomly Simon Pegg pops up as Paul McCartney. Sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. A bunch of people guessed themselves. Uh, George Clinton guessed himself. And that's just kind of funny and, and silly. And there's just, there's just a lot of that. There are a lot of 
traces of real 60s, 70s stuff. Fred Armisen voiced Charles Manson. Chris Elliott is Timothy Leary. So I found myself honestly enjoying the process of watching and Googling the actual events almost as much as the actual show itself. <laughs> but that's a form of enjoyment. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a kick out of a lot of Agent Elvis. Yeah, I, I think I liked, I, I definitely liked it more than you did uh, because I laughed my ass off like during all of it. And, uh, and, I, and I loved all of the voice work and everybody you know, in it. And you know, Caitlin Olsen is also in it. And you mentioned the, 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 the chimpanzee is voiced by Tom Kenny. <laughs> and and uh, you know, Johnny Knoxville is also, on the, is also on the roster here regularly. And, 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 I lo- and what you mentioned is one of the things that I love most about it was it does take this like snapshot in time or this moment in time that really happened and then just goes apeshit with it. Uh, no, pun in- <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, the first episode is about the comeback special, um, which is actually, you know, in some cases, much more accurate than the stupid... <laughs> Baz Luhrmann movie um but no I and I'm I love Elvis I'm a big fan of Elvis and I just thought they had a great time with it and um and McConaughey is one of my favorites so I this thing was like made for me and I ripped through all the episodes there's 10 of them and I just I ripped through them all they're I think it's hilarious I think Agent Elvis is absolutely hilarious there's a whole episode based around the Elvis film back in the habit and it is very much based on the actual plot of that particular movie and and the entire episode is sort of based around well okay uh Sure, surely they're making up that stupid element to the movie. Nope, that's that's pretty much just what the movie was. Uh, and 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 it, there's just a lot of stuff like that. The music, the music is oh, great. It has yep. a lot of energy to it. So yeah, no, I, I think you definitely found it funnier than I did, but I yeah. I enjoyed it and thought there were a lot of things that kept me going with it. And if you're just a, a fan of really fun animation and and really you know like great celebrity voiceovers and just comedy in general, but. If you're an Elvis fan, uh, you know, uh, you'll really, you'll really dig it. It's just, I think it's great. Agent Elvis, um, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I laughed consistently throughout the whole thing. I thought it was just great. I thought it was just great. Um, so Succession, final, uh, final season. This is the big deal right now, obviously. Um, you know, uh, do we, do we know how many people watch Succession? How, again, no, you know, you, you, we've talked about this many times about the difference between watching ratings and getting numbers and stuff the way it was like 10 years ago to the way it is now. But I mean, it's obviously succession. That's the, that's the show that everybody wants to see. And it's a final episode and or the final season. How did you feel about, did you see the whole season? Oh no, 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 no. They are okay. keeping, <laughs> they are keeping as much as humanly possible under wraps. And for very logical reasons, uh, critics were sent four episodes. Other reporters were sent only one episode in large part because the other reporters presumably were watching episodes to do interview coverage and they wanted to keep everybody and anybody from spoiling anything. And there are spoilery things. I would say though, that really there was very little spoilery about the actual premiere. So yeah. And this is, is, you you saw four episodes. How many are there total for the final season? I think there are 10. Uh, I believe it's been 10 consistently, except for last season, which was nine for reasons of some sort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, But yeah, I've, I've seen four. Uh, The, the sort of bottom line that I'm giving everyone is that I thought that the first two episodes were okay. And that the next two episodes were fantastic. Uh, And also that okay for succession still means better than most shows by a a wide amount. Mm -hmm. So it's only okay. Comparatively speaking, Uh, 
but no, so definitely as of the time that we are recording this, there are no ratings yet, but even still the ratings represent such a, a small corner at this point, or the the overnight premiere ratings represent such a small corner. Because if you look at what the numbers for The Last of Us do on a weekly basis, just the gap between the couple million people who watch an episode in its first 24 hours and then the tens of millions who watch yeah. it yeah. in the month and a half after it's a large gap. And I think that with succession, it, it it's not the kind of show that will ever have tens of millions of, of viewers. It will always be one of those shows that are more favored by the coastal elite or whatever nonsense you want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, so I thought the premiere was 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 good and it was just good to be back into the kind of foul mouthed rhythm yeah <laughs> that this show has yeah. and the fact that this show and yellow jackets premiering on the same night yeah that absolutely makes for a a nutty and chaotic night of television yeah yeah. Well, I mean, how do you feel about Succession in general? Uh, do you have a favorite season of the? Now, there's this is the fourth season, correct? This is the fourth season, and yeah. no, I really, I really don't, um, because to me, it's part of what I love about the show is that it really is very much of a piece, and uh, I loved the show from the pilot. I never had a an acclimation period. I know some people have have felt like, you know, maybe by the time you get to the Thanksgiving episode in the first season or something, that's when it locked in i think that's more about where it locks in for you as a viewer and and your ability to get the tone of the show rather than the show finding its voice uh but no i this is this is one of my my favorite shows i believe all three seasons have been in my top three for their respective years and this is kind of one of those this is one of those legacy things you know how well is it going to get to the end how well is it going to stick the ending and are we going to be looking at this as a as a top 10 all-time show and i would say there's a there's a perfectly reasonable possibility that that could be where it ends up uh but yeah no i this is this is a show that i love uh if they had sent me eight episodes or 10 episodes i would have happily watched them i was very pleased that uh the critics got the four that we got because it seemed Mm -hmm. important to be able to do it in more than more than one episode for review so my colleague angie han and i we we did a back and forth where the entire point was well we can't really spoil anything but succession is good which is not really a very informative (laughs) review i understand (laughs) but right right some days you can only do what you can do (laughs) but i was on board i'm like you i was on board from episode one i was with it you know, I, I I dug it from episode one, and uh, and I think it's great. And I and I, and I don't know uh, again when they will correctly identify this show as a comedy. Uh, we've gone through this a million times, but uh, it's still a comedy, as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't. Know. I I feel like, unfortunately and sadly, that ship may have sailed. But yeah. apparently, but apparently, Lucky Hank on AMC is going to be categorized as a comedy. So it is. <laughs> Okay. It's it's just one of those things that got announced on Monday and in the in the trade press was that uh Lucky Hank was going to be treated as a comedy for awards purposes, which makes sense for two reasons. The first and of primary importance being it's a comedy. That right. that would to me seem like a perfectly right. reasonable reason. Uh but also they don't want Bob Odenkirk competing with Bob Odenkirk for the last season of Better Call Saul. So makes sense. Yeah, I totally. understand that as a choice. And I have preference. not I have only seen the trailer for when does this when does uh when does the show premiere? Uh 
uh, Lucky Hank or yeah, yeah Lucky Hank is uh, two weeks in. Uh, okay. So so two weeks in, maybe three. But anyway, it is it is ongoing on a TV channel near you. Oh, it is. Okay, I haven't even watched it yet, uh, but I've seen yep. the commercials for it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a comedy. Let's make sure. So <laughs> succession, is succession is up and running, uh, and it's the final season, uh, and um, you know, so HBO HBO just uh, is killing it in that time slot. Then it's it is the thing that HBO does. They yeah. everyone keeps panicking, and and there are these waves of panic whenever any round of HBO shows comes to an end, whether it's, Oh no, the Sopranos is ending. How will they ever recover? And then there was the year that they lost both Veep and game of Thrones in the same year. Oh right. no. How will they ever record recover? Now we're coming to the end of succession. We're coming to the end of Barry as well. So, yeah. uh, yeah. and, and so far have not seen any episodes from the final season of Barry, but, but no, it's the thing that HBO does. They absolutely successfully reload. And so maybe HBO would have been in some trouble if house yeah. of the dragon hadn't hit big, which yeah. apparently it did. Maybe they would have been in trouble if the last of us hadn't hit big, which it obviously it did. did. Yeah. So, yeah. And it also, it also gives uh, John Oliver some material too, you know, so. <laughs> and, and even if, Everything they do sucks <laughs> on Sunday nights. Yeah. John Oliver will still be there to yeah. to make fun of his business daddy, and yeah. that is it's all that matters. The best. It's just the best. His show. I mean, it goes without saying. His show is unbelievable. It's must watch TV every week. And um, uh, and I love the fact that he doesn't know you know who he can make fun of at this point. Like, I don't know who my <laughs> boss is. I don't. You know what I'm saying? And I love I love that aspect. I love that running joke. Like I don't even know who my boss is, but I don't know who to make fun of. So we'll just try to make fun of everybody. I truly wonder if he actually really is getting blowback or if he's just really creating the blowback that doesn't exist. But yeah, who knows? Either way, it works. Uh, it's uh, it's I mean, it goes without saying John Oliver's show is fantastic. So, all right. Uh, HBO on Sunday nights. Well, now, as you mentioned, Showtime on Sunday nights. Uh, man, what? so when did Yellow Jacket because Yellow Jackets, when it first aired, it didn't have this kind of cult or even crossover popularity right this is one that as you mentioned some people discover later isn't that the case with the yellow jackets because it wasn't huge out of the gate was it oh no this one was completely a word of mouth uh show I mean, it was very very well received by critics when it came out and obviously that that helped to some degree i, I would say that it probably that the word of mouth started spreading fairly early but I don't think that Showtime had a clue what the show was when it premiered. I don't think they viewed it as being likely to be a smash hit by any means. And as always, who knows what smash hit means? Who knows what smash hit means even more in the case of uh, Showtime HBO? Yeah. But uh, but I would say by the time it got to be the finale, people were people were very very excited and very much clamoring for more coverage. And then it was nominated for a bunch of Emmys, which again there would have been no way on earth that Showtime would have expected that. And then without any question. The buzz, haha, <laughs> buzz, because yellow uh, jackets. Yeah, anyway, yeah. whatever. And by the way, <laughs> that you can use those kind of uh, jokes in a show we're going to be talking about in a couple of minutes. Uh, Indeed. So, <laughs> so, so yes. Continue uh, there, the buzz a, jokes, however you want to do it. Continue. We are we are buzzing a lot about television already <laughs> on this podcast. I can tell. Right. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, but Showtime is doing a slightly strange thing, and again, adding even more to our inability to know what the ratings are for the show. Showtime, perhaps sensing 
the succession of it all, but also it's the thing that Showtime has been doing lately with a lot of its programming. Just people happen to only be noticing it now. Uh, they're releasing episodes on demand on yep. Friday, yep. and that allows it to not necessarily have to compete with uh, Succession head to head on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. But you know, close enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do you think? You did now. You've seen the whole season for Yellow Jackets. Right? Six, only oh, six. six of the. How many of the ten on this one too? Uh, I think ten also on this one as well. But honestly, at this point, who can? <laughs> yeah, who can tell? <laughs> who can tell how many episodes um, anything has anymore? But I've definitely well, seen six. Okay. Now I I will tell you this. I didn't watch the show. I didn't have Showtime when um, Yellow Jackets uh, premiered. I was uh, I was cutting back on my subscriptions when I first got canned. So I was cutting back on subscriptions. But then. I resubscribed to Showtime because of the Vanessa Bear Molly Shannon show. <laughs> of course. Uh, and so that's why I resubscribed to Showtime and I was going to, you know, get rid of it after the Molly Shannon show was done cuz it'll I mean the Molly Shannon Vanessa Bear show uh, which will, uh, I love that for you which will never come back, I would guess. <laughs> um but while I had it, I caught up on on Yellow Jackets, you know. Uh and and I loved it and I lo- so I was late to the game. On Yellow Jackets, I discovered Yellow Jackets whenever last. When did uh, the "I Love You for That," uh, "I Love That for You" premiere? I think it was um, last spring. I feel like okay. I think it so, was. I think yeah. It was then. So I'm. That's when I discovered Yellow Jackets. That's when I watched it, um, and I loved it immediately. I think it's great, and uh, and I can't wait for. And I watched the first episode of season two, and I'm. I I love the show. I think it's great. Uh, did you enjoy the first season of of, of Yellow Jackets? Let's for a reminder for everybody. Backtracking quickly on this, have you watched the other two? Uh, yes. No. Yeah, of course I have. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, yeah. I it involves Molly I just, Shannon. Yeah. 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 Yeah, of I, <laughs> yeah. No, if it's Molly Shannon, I've seen it. Trust me. I, I, I believe you. I just didn't remember if we'd ever talked no, about it. No, before. no. I love it too. And I, and I know a lot of people have, I, I don't, I, I, I actually liked, I actually, honestly, I actually liked the Vanessa Bear show better. Which, um, uh, entirely than, reasonable as a preference. Yeah. Than the other two. But I mean, I, but I still like the other two very much. Cause I mean, she's not really the focus of that. She's hilarious on it. Um, but she's not really the focus. I would um, say that by the second season, she was an equal level focus yeah. with the with the yeah. leads, probably. Yeah. But but but, uh, but to answer your question, yes, I've watched it. I love it. Okay, and, she, and she's awesome. So yes, <laughs> cool. I just I just did no. not remember us having talked about it. Before, no, and so I and I was... I'm glad that you're looking out for me too, as a Molly Shannon. I, I know what you, you you were totally looking out for me. Like, hey man, have you seen the? And I'm yeah. You you can trust me if Molly Shannon's involved. <laughs> I'm pretty much on top of it. So yeah, I no, go into I, listen. I resubscribed to Showtime. I went into debt for Molly Shannon. So that's uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not quite, but you know, you know what I mean. I had, I understand the principle, and you, and you are the only person who subscribed to Showtime exclusively I, for I that know, show. I, I, I think that might actually be true. I, I, you know what? I would I would actually not even think that's a mystery. Yes, I think that, that we can safely say that that's true. Yeah, all they all they need to know is that uh, the subscriber needle. It will tick at least one person forward if they decide to do a season two of that. Is that uh, worth it for them? I can't say for all sure. All right, all right. It'll make me happy. All right. So, Yellow Jackets from the from from uh, season one. Just a, re- a reminder: you pre- you were pro on on. on oh, absolutely. Jackets. No, I I like the first season a lot. It's uh, the, and this will go into my review of the second season as well. It's it's a show that has elements of it that I don't care about. And it's a show that has a lot of elements that I don't care about. It also has a lot of elements that I absolutely love. So the the whole kind of challenge of the show for me is figuring out how much I'm loving the things that I'm loving and whether that bothers me, the things that I'm not loving. And yeah. 
I, I feel as if the second season might be even more that uh, because despite the fact that I love mm-hmm. most of the actresses in the present day part of the story, yeah, I, I don't care all that much about it, See, if I'm that's, being honest. Now, Dan, I don't mean to interrupt you, which I do sure. all the time when we talk, but... um. We're having uh, a conversation. It's mo- not interrupting. <laughs> most of the people who I've spoken with about their 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 take on Yellow Jackets is they don't like the flashbacks and they like the present day stuff. That's almost almost to a, to to a, to a point where like I'll talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Every time they go back to the young girls and the crash, I don't like it. And I'm like, what? Um, I like both equally. I love them both. But but most people I talk to, you're in the minority on that, I think. Like most people love the modern day stuff. And I think it's only because there are a recognizable actresses in it, you know, uh, that might have something to do with it. But I know a lot of people who prefer the the present day stuff as opposed to the flashback Lord of the Flies stuff. Oh, I would I would love to have a conversation with those people and get them to tell me how deeply invested <laughs> they were in Thaisa's state Senate campaign last season and tell me if they were really rooting hard for her to be able to enact her legislative agenda. I, that's crazy talk. Um, and I would say that last season, that was the storyline that most conspicuously for me yeah. felt like it was in an entirely different show, one yeah. that I didn't care about. Uh, yeah. Now, this season, to its credit, it has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with Thaisa being a state senator. It right. turns out that the entire storyline last season was basically a misdirection, which annoys me even more. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so, no, look, it it doesn't bother me that the present day stuff to me feels like a slightly elevated version of Desperate Housewives. That um, mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me, but that is to me what it feels like. It happens that I like the Lord of the Flies stuff and the flashback stuff. It also yeah. happens that because uh, I am roughly the age of those characters, yep. all of the all of the needle drops align with uh, with my high school teenage experiences, all of the references align with my high school teenage experiences. So I, I feel that. And also while the big stars were unquestionably the people in the present day, whether Melanie Linsky, who's fantastic or Christina Ricci, who's fantastic or Juliette Lewis, who's fantastic. I, I think that the actresses in the flashback stuff are all very much their equal oh, and yeah. <laughs> maybe aren't getting enough appreciation. I, as I a totally result agree. Of that. I totally agree with you, Dan. I totally agree with you. And when, and that's the thing I get into the arguments about with, with these people. I'm like, how can you not think that these the, the girls who are in those flashback scenes are not amazing? Because they're incredible. The the acting in those in the in the in the flashback stuff is great. They're terrific young actresses. And it's not like they're unknown. They've been in other many of them have been on other things. So and, yeah, certain of them are there they are varying degrees of recognizable. You know, Ella Ella Purnell was in a bunch of stuff she starred in tv shows she was in the the bat the well so so uh tim burton boarding school people with special powers right. show <laughs> uh mrs peregrine Pe- Pe- peregrine's of uh, something for, for outstanding the, somethings yeah. yeah eva green that's all i know it's eva green that's all it's a, absolutely uh <laughs> jasmine savoy brown was in leftovers yeah. yep. uh etc etc so yeah no yeah. they're they're out there you just have to and they're good care. They're good. That's the thing. I just I just find myself, if you ask me to say what I am invested in and what I want to get answers for and stuff like that, it's all yeah. related to the flashback stuff. So yeah. 
but yeah, so for the new season, seeing six episodes, and what I can say is that some of the things that you've been waiting for to happen in the flashback stuff, it is going to happen in the next few episodes. So mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying about that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I I still have just my limitations with a lot of the present day stuff, with a lot of the attempts to make things more mystical more supernatural whatever i just don't care about that side of the story all that much i care much more about the i I actually do care about the survival side of the story etc so uh i i have reservations about yellow jackets but in general reservations aside i enjoy this show very much and there are some things coming up that are going to make people extremely happy. And I look forward to seeing Twitter blowing up with those yeah. things. Okay. Well, I like the first episode. I'm a fan of the show. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I like both parts, you know, pretty much uh, equally. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm with the show. And like you said, I mean, uh, I'm a little older than you, but all the needle drops work for me um, in a great way. And, you know, and I love that they brought in some really great uh, guest directors uh, in the first season. Have they done that for the second season too? Or are they bringing back some... It same. is mostly uh, people who directed from last season, mm-hmm. I believe. I'm trying to think. Uh, God, I don't think Karen Kusama directs any, but okay. uh, it's it's sort of from the stable of directors. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think I think Yellow Jacket is just terrific, and and I'm glad that it's got this following now, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, if that strategy of the on-demand thing works, but I mean, everybody's got DVRs now, and everybody watches it online. You know, everybody streams it, so. I don't know what this came. Oh, there's a competition between. Are they really pushing that? A competition between Succession and Yellow Jackets? I mean, in oh, this they're, day and age? they're. I mean, they are not, and yeah. and no one functionally is. On the other hand, there's no question that having two shows like that with the social media presence that they have, True, and having yeah. them premiere on the same day, yeah. it it produces a competition. Now, on the other hand. Everyone who pays attention knows that the reason for it is 100% Emmy-based. It is It is completely, this was yeah. the day that you could premiere yeah. a 10-episode show and have it, you know, finish the season by, by Emmy time, which is never a thing that your typical Netflix show, for example, has to worry about because Netflix drops everything all at once. And so Netflix can drop yeah. anything it wants to on May yeah. 30th or May 31st. It's Emmy eligible. You can't do that if you're anyone else. So, so what, okay. So, so that's interesting. So they have to be, all of the episodes have to air by May 31st. Um, With it is, they have made the rules so screwy at this point because also the functional, realities of television have changed and so there's always been this thing called the the hanging episode so a certain number of episodes could air after the uh the deadline and fit within the season of the show and they've really trimmed the number of episodes that are eligible in general to be a hanging episode so i think now the deal is basically it's anything that airs before the deadline is what you're submitting and anything that's after is sort of it's it's lost in a kind of nebulous other world. So yeah. there was a couple of years ago when uh, Handmaid's Tale had no season that aired during the calendar, the Emmy calendar, but they had enough 
uh, hanging episodes that it's still got like 10 nominations oh. between between guest star nominations <laughs> and individual episodic directing and writing and technical things that it got a bunch of nominations completely for hanging episodes. And so that That's was part so of weird. what led to a revision in the awards. But then the award, but then it's a completely different set of rules for if it's a limited series. I think that if it's a limited series, they all have to have aired before the deadline. <laughs> It's it's very confusing. Trust. It is. It's confusing. Does that? I mean, I guess maybe that goes along with how confusing it is. To we we don't have new seasons. Remember the fall season TV guide? I used to look forward to getting every year, and you knew that like summer was reruns and fall was the new show, and you knew that the new shows would end in May. They'd begin in September. They'd end in May, and that must have been very easy for the Emmy voters and the and you know. And the Emmy, you know, the Academy. Well, also they only had four networks of, or even in some cases, yeah. three networks of right. programs. So that right. made things even easier. Whereas right. now it's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's chaos. And I, I guess it's reflective of, of something. And yeah. it's, it's just one of many different Emmy eligibility things that probably somebody needs to address, but no yeah. one knows how to address well, we'll keep an eye on it throughout the season. When do the Emmy nominations come out? They come out in the summer, right? Yeah, they come because the deadline is uh, May 31st for things to got it be eligible, and then I think the I think the Emmy ballot comes out in around June 20th, and then it'll be end of end of June, beginning of May for the I mean beginning of July, July for the voting, and then in July sometime we'll get the okay. the nominations. Right, well, we'll keep an eye on that, despite the fact that it's incredibly confusing utter chaos <laughs> all right swarm okay <laughs> listen you teased it the last time you were on because you had an embargo and i believe the day after we po- uh, that uh, our our uh, our podcast posted was when you were able to to uh, put your review out or a couple of days after um so tell everybody about swarm we have to talk about this so, <laughs> so you teased it last time but tell everybody about about swarm and by the way before we jump into it has has Beyonce made a statement about this show at all? Has has, has has Beyonce or any of her insane fans have there has there been any kind of like? Feedback? Oh, I assume her fans have. I just haven't paid any attention to it. She she has not because right, okay. she, because right. she's a grown up. Right. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But I mean, man, it's okay. All right, but go ahead. Tell everybody what this. Is. So yes, it is. It is from Janine Neighbors and Donald Glover. They are the creators, and it is an Amazon seven-part limited series. Each yeah, episode man. is between twenty-eight and twenty-nine minutes, or and I think one goes to thirty-eight. The, the first one goes to thirty-five, I think. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah. it's they're it's all under they under are under forty. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Most of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it stars <laughs> uh, Dominique Fishback as a a socially awkward young woman with no particular personal direction. But the one thing she has going for her is that she is a gigantic fan of a, of a pop star who has more than a superficial resemblance to, to (laughs) Beyonce. Um, And that fandom, I mean, I'm still being oblique about things, even though at this point I'm not a hundred percent sure if there's a reason to be, Uh, but basically Things go bad. Things get dark. <laughs> she goes on the run, and seven episodes of television ensue. 
Boy, that's really that's vague, and, and I'm glad that you went vague. But that really does. I mean, that's just not even the tip of the iceberg of what, what happens. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. But there, there are so many aspects of the show that that justifiably and unjustifiably we were asked to keep quiet. Yeah. Some of them yeah, yeah, yeah. don't bother me, like specific aspects of things that Dre does over the course of the show. Yeah, uh, I, I would have liked to have been able to discuss some of them. On the other hand, the the celebrity cameo in episode four right. to me was actually a genuinely great cameo and a genuinely pleasant yeah. surprise to not have it spoiled. So I am keeping my mouth shut about well, it's, that. That's been spoiled by the way, not your, Oh, for sure. I mean, but, it's there, yeah. but if but, people uh, don't, but when yeah. I saw it, I had no idea. Yeah. And when the person popped up, I'm like, Holy crap. Yeah. Unbelievable. Dot, too. Dot, dot. Unbelievable. And, yeah. And, and that person, I'm just going to be oblique. I don't care if, yeah, if no, people I already you. know. No, go ahead. Uh, but I, I I thought that that person, that guest star, was really good. Phenomenal. And, and really and, – and the capacity in which they chose to use them was smart and funny and good. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, 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 I would like to let people discover it if they possibly yeah. can. Now, I, I do want to warn people, okay? We're being oblique about this, which makes sense, okay? And, 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 and that's cool. I don't want to give anything away either. But, but really – you you will know whether you're going to be on board within the first 10 minutes of episode 1. You know what I mean? Like literally you'll be like, "Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to make it through this because some shit happens in the first 10 minutes where and it and it gets darker from there." I mean, I'm not, you know, so know that this goes to places that are really really dark and there's violence in this and it's bloody and it's weird and it's funny and it's also strange and 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 mysterious in the same way that the weirdest and strangest mysterious episodes of Atlanta are. And I mean, obviously, there's a, there's an obvious reason for that. Um, but it goes to places that that are very uncomfortable, very, very, very uncomfortable. And as far as the comedy goes, it's as dark a comedy as you can possibly get. So I, I think people I just I don't want people to go, oh, well, they're being you know mysterious about it. I'll watch this. And then 10 minutes in go, what the hell? <laughs> it's, there, some crazy shit happens in this show consistently. So. That is entirely reasonable that you can spoil. I would also add that um, that while, yes, you'll probably know in the first 10 or 15 minutes whether or not you're in or out. Yeah. The funnier episodes are all later in the season. Yes. And they are. so yeah. and so you watch the first episode and. Yes, you'll have a sense of whether or not you want to continue, but the funny stuff, which is all very, very darkly funny. Like I can imagine somebody sitting through all of the stuff (laughs) that I laughed out loud at and being like, wait, I'm not laughing at that. That is not (laughs) funny. I can't laugh at that. (laughs) Uh, But it's all later in the show. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, and I laughed my ass off during it. I mean, I don't know. And I think it's great. And I, you know, uh, these creative geniuses behind Atlanta, I just wish, I mean, I'm glad that all of these people uh, are are allowed to make television. It just, it's just, they make the medium better as far as I'm (laughs) concerned. I, honest to God. And listen, Dominique Fishbeck is, she's unbelievable in this show. And, and you, you lead your, your, your piece about it, about like how she's, not won Emmys or been nominated for Oscars or any of that stuff. And she should have been at this point. Remind people how great she is in other stuff and how great she is in this. Oh, for sure. She could, she absolutely could have been nominated and been very worthy of an Emmy, of Emmy nominations for uh, the deuce. She was amazing in the deuce. She was great in Judas and the black Messiah. I thought she was kind of the emotional heart of that movie. And, and the still point around which, the showier, more Oscar-nominated performances 
got to act opposite. So, yeah, uh, yeah, no, she she is well overdue for this kind of breakout. And I think that no matter what people think about the show as a whole, it's really hard to deny how fantastic she is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's phenomenal. It, it is. It's a. It's an incredible. You know, it's a, it's an incredible showcase for her talent, and uh, and I don't know what the odds are. You know, we're talking about Emmys and stuff like that. I don't know what the odds are because the show is just so dark and weird and twisted, and uh, I don't know what her chances are of being nominated. But if you're just judging on in terms of arc and performance and just you know craft, my God, she's amazing. So she is, and this is going to be categorized as a limited series, which it is. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, I fought, so. I, I watched it in one sitting. <laughs> But but I'm still but it it's going to make it hard for people to compare the thing that she's doing here to I don't know whatever random yeah, yeah. biopic eight episode yeah. things are yeah, out God. there. It's so it's, frustrating. It's yeah. tough. It's it it's just a challenge. But she she is tremendous, and nobody that I've heard talking about reservations with the show, and people seem to have some reservations with the show as sure, they're entitled to. <laughs> but I don't think anyone has directed any of those reservations at her right. and. There's no question that people watched this. So it's, it's true. I think it's great, man. I ripped through them all. I'm going to go back and watch a few more of the episodes again. Uh, it's called Swarm. Again, it's not for everybody, but it should be for everybody as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Dominique Fishback is amazing in it. Um, and uh, Janine Neighbors and Donald Glover, the great Donald Glover, who directs the first episode, his brother directs another episode. Uh, of it and the other two uh, directors involved here all have directed episodes of Atlanta. So there's a lot of the creative the creative uh, people behind Atlanta are behind this as well, which of course means it's going to be great. That's 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 it. So I'm I'm so glad that you teased it last week because I was very much looking forward to or the last time you were on with us 2 weeks ago. I was very much looking forward to it and as soon as it showed up, I watched it all and I couldn't have been happier with it. I had been waiting on your reaction, so oh, glad to hear you enjoyed it. My God. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, I mean, between this and Agent Elvis, you know what I mean? I, it, it was, you know, all, and I ripped through those things immediately. I mean, you want to talk about Nick, bin- I don't binge a lot, you know, but these things, again, half an hour long, you know what I mean? And there aren't that many of them. Boom. And they're both great in completely different ways. <laughs> Agent this Elvis is, and Swarm. Completely. This is the great thing about Peak TV, Nick, is that uh, networks and streamers can target programming specifically and directly at you and <laughs> nobody else. So, all right. Well, get on season two of I Love That For You. So that's all I'm saying. Showtime. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, speaking of things specifically for me, wait a minute. Let me hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and yeah. I love Nick's show. What do you know about The Diplomat? That it stars uh, Carrie Russell okay. and that it is coming, I believe, in late April, latish April on Netflix. Okay. Otherwise, on Netflix. I right. know nothing about okay. it. Okay. I thought I would just ask because you know I'm going to bother you about it. So I, am look- I am looking forward to having the chance to watch. So far, I do not have screeners, uh, okay. but I am definitely looking forward to it because I, too, like Carrie Russell, albeit not on the same level. Okay, all right. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, right. and okay. I love Nick. So show. The, di- the Diplomat on Netflix at some point late in April. Uh, keep me posted whenever you get news on it, Dan, please. Definitely will. Okay, buddy. The Fine Print is where you can find him, Hollywood Reporter. Again, you can read him there, too, and that's F-I-E-N. Dan, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, buddy. Sounds good, Nick. Okay, Until the next time. Care. There you go. Uh, Dan Feinberg, he's the best. Uh, you know who else is the best? Esmeralda Leon. Let's get to her. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
theme and this is uh this is our segment with esmeralda leon hi esmeralda hello how are you i'm doing good how are you i'm all right you know it's good Good. i think i guess yeah sure good yeah good to know yeah hey tonight's our big uh our big uh show yes very Uh, exciting if you're listening to this on a Tuesday afternoon or a Tuesday morning, then it hasn't happened yet, and we're very excited about it. And that's our big show at Zany's in Rosemont, our monthly show, the Nick T Podcast Live, um, where we give away really fun stuff. We do some uh, trivia. My dad tells jokes. We do some comedy. We record the live podcast. The audience is a part of it. And our special guest is Fenguli himself, Rich Coase. That's happening tonight. Yes, very so, exciting. I'm excited to, to talk to Rich. Yeah. Hear some stories and just, I've never, never really uh, talked to the man or heard him be interviewed just as is, just as a person. Just as rich. Yeah. Even though this is still going to pop up. Berwin! That you can't get oh, away from course. that. Oh, of course. Of course. Well, Rich was kind enough, as Sven to stop by our uh, live podcast uh, show at Flashback mm-hmm. Weekend uh, in, in August. Yes. And uh, and we are going to do our flashback. We are going to do the show from flashback again this year. Mike and Mia, who, by the way, I believe are going to be there tonight at Zany's. Mike and Mia from flashback. Nice. I nice. believe I believe we're going to have a nice contingency, uh, Esmeralda, of my horror tribe. Um, oh, exciting. That's yeah, great. I'm pretty sure that uh, the horror tribe is going to come out in full force uh, tonight. Um, a lot of people from Flashback, a lot of people who I, I share my love of horror with are going to be there. Uh, yeah, man, mm-hmm. when, you have, when you have Sven Gulli live, the horror tribe comes out. That community comes oh, yeah. out. Oh, um, yeah. But he only stopped by for a couple of seconds because, you know, when he's at Flashback, he's got a million things going on. Um, and, you know, this past year at Flashback, they were making, if you remember correctly, they were making a documentary about him. And cameramen were following him around the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, like, he, it's, it was hard for him to squeeze in. Like, he was on stage with us for, like, five minutes. But this is not going to be five minutes tonight, Esmeralda. This is going to be, like, well over an hour or so. Busy, so, busy man. Yeah, but we'll, <laughs> we, got, we got him. Nobody else is going to be distracting Rich Coe's tonight at Zany's. So. And if you are listening to this on a Tuesday morning or a Tuesday afternoon or even an early Tuesday evening, you can still get your tickets if you want. Zany's, uh, at, at Zany's in Rosemont, 730 uh, tonight, Tuesday. Uh, Rich Coe's live. That's uh, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com. So anyway, uh, if you're listening after uh, or Tuesday night or, uh, you know, after Tuesday night, uh, you, you, you missed out. But we do do the Nick D podcast live every month at Zanies. So we'll tell you more about the next visit and when it is and all that stuff uh, coming up. So anyway, uh, do you have a fun weekend, Esmeralda? Yeah, actually, I went to go see uh, John Wick. Oh, hell yeah, man. Mm-hmm. John Wick Chapter Four. Um, now you're familiar with the other three, obviously. Yes. Um, so, what'd you think of the new one? It was great. Um, I'm sad that it's uh, the final movie. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it, uh, there you know. is a. There is a. Did you got? <laughs> did you guys stay through the full credits at the end? Um, we did not. Ah, because there's a. There's oh, a there's post- a little Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a post-credit scene. Oh, okay. Um, I won't give it away, uh, but there is a post-credit scene uh, at the end. Um, and I don't want to give away what happens in the movie, 
but it kind of hints that there will be a continuation of some kind. Oh, okay. That, you know what I mean? Uh, I won't tell you what, and if and, and the fact that you've seen the movie, you know that, like, what do you mean? How is that possible? <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> but they do add a little post-credit uh, sequence there that uh, indicates that the series itself might continue, which would be fine. If the Interesting. Same, if the same creative people, you know, your choreographers and your fight uh, people and your stunt people and your director and your screenwriters mm-hmm. are together, it, it'll kick ass. Um, yeah, yeah. But there were there were scenes in that movie that just, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> there were sequences, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and how about the dog, Esmeralda? How cool is the dog? He's the best dog. I mean, they're both. There was two two dogs. Yeah. Um, and they're both good boys. Yeah. <laughs> they're both the best boys. I mean, yeah. And that whole. What about the scene in the in the roundabout with the cars? It was like we've been calling it now car foo because it's like kung fu and cars and guns. So we've just been calling it. Yeah. I don't know. Let's just call it car foo. I've never seen anything like that in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And I just like the fact that no one was really stopping. <laughs> no one cared. And people They're like get bouncing. out of my way. Yeah, people just bouncing <laughs> off of cars going eighty miles an hour. I'm like, what the? Fuck? What is? This? Like, I have somewhere to be, so yeah. you need to just move. <laughs> and how about the one the the scene? I mean, the last hour of the movie is just completely batshit crazy. And the overhead shot where like he's walking, he's just basically going through the maze of the house where you'd see the mm-hmm. overhead shot. <laughs> and yeah, then Colin said it had something to do with the video game or something like that. Oh, does it? I don't know. I All yeah. I know is that it reminded me a lot of the kind of stuff that Brian De Palma does as a director with that, that, that weird like overhead shot. And he, ex- yeah. at that point, he's just exploding people. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. He's just, I think I'll just explode people now. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now, nah, I mean, and it made, man, did it clean up Esmeralda at the box office. Oh, holy, of course. Holy shit. Made like almost $180 million over the weekend. Uh, the biggest opening of the John Wick series. Um, and the first, the first big box office bonanza that I, that just personally for me, that I've actually liked because most of the movies that have been making a ton of money, I'm like, yeah, they suck. But this one, <laughs> I'm actually thrilled that it made the amount of money it did. So, and you always got to root for Keanu. Very good. You got to root. Oh, for the of Keanu. course. How could you not? Yeah. And by the way, you went to <laughs> let's let's uh, t- tell everyone because we talked a little bit before we started recording. You went to see it at a theater that needs a little help right now. So you went to the uh, tell everybody where you went. Yeah. So I went to the uh, the new 400 theater. That is um, at uh, 6746 North Sheridan. Uh, so it's up in Rogers Park. Yeah. And yeah, they were they were struggling a bit. So um, they were asking for people to come see the movies yeah. at their place. Yeah. And it's a great theater. It's, it is. Um, you know, it's, my, my old producer, who is now the producer of uh, the Steve Cochran Morning Show on WLS, Tom Hush, mm-hmm. worked, worked there for years. Um, and was a manager there and, uh, and it's a great, it's a great neighborhood theater. It's been there forever. That's an old, that's one of the old, it's one of the oldest neighborhood theaters still left in Chicago in the Rogers Park area. And they're on hard times. It opened in 1912. Yeah. That's a long time. That's a long time. (laughs) And so it's, it, you know, and they're, and you know, they're, they're struggling financially. I mean, a lot of movie theaters took the hit for a couple of years with COVID and stuff. And, um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of theaters have not gotten back up on their feet. 
and it's a slow it's a slow return. So uh, there's a there's a chance that they might shut down um, if somebody doesn't swoop in and rescue them. And what they need is for people to go to the theater and to buy snacks. So uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And their snacks are not expensive. Yeah, they had a combo that I bought. It was the it was a large popcorn and two drinks for eleven dollars. Oh my god, that's cheap. <laughs> I it was is. like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that's cheap, man. I mean, I yeah. I, I went to uh, a wrestling pay per view at the the theater, uh, the City North on Western there, mm-hmm. uh, by the Kennedy, and mm-hmm. I went there because they do the pay per views there, uh, um, the WWE or the AEW pay per views there, and so I went and I got like um, a bottle, a big bottle of water, and like uh, a, a a bag of those cookie dough snacks you know the cookie sure the, uh and it was like 12 bucks <laughs> yeah for a bag of cookie dough cook candy and a and a bottle of water is 12 bucks i was and so 11 dollars yeah. for two drinks and a large popcorn is a fucking bargain yeah so right now they're showing um they do have john wick and they have a uh, cocaine bear but they are doing these these two uh, screenings, which I think are great. One is of Nosferatu uh, with a live organ. Right. The and then they're version. also doing the, the Phantom the of the Opera. Oh, cool. Cool. So that's Monday, is April it... 3rd, and Monday, April 10th. Monday, April 3rd, Monday, April 10th, if you want to see Nosferatu, the silent film, um, and Phantom of the Opera, the silent Lon Chaney Sr. Uh, movie. And did they say who's playing the organ? Is it Jay Warren? Um, it, it just says with a live organ. My guess is it's Jay Warren, and Jay Warren is uh, uh, one uh of yes. yes, actually yes, yes. yes. Jay Warren uh, been on uh, my old uh, car wash show many times. Um, probably the premier organist and uh, silent film accompanier in the city. Nice. Uh, so Jay Warren will be there, and uh, he, you know, by the way, Esmeralda, he brings an organ with him, like when I when mean. They, you know, most places probably don't just have an organ. Like, yeah. Yeah, sure. Come, I mean, mu- play our organ. Know, <laughs> the Music Box has one. The Music Box has one. The Pickwick has one. But those are exceptions to the rule. Uh, so Jay, when Jay, you know, when they when, when you want to show a, a silent film or something and you want to have, like, the best organist accompaniment possible, you hire Jay Warren. And Jay brings an organ with him. Like, he will set up a big-ass organ. I'm nice. not kidding. And it's it's fantastic. So if you get a chance. So that's April. What would you say was April uh, April 3rd for Nosferatu and April 10th for Phantom of the Opera. Of the and Opera. I will tell you, Nosferatu still scares me. Oh, that, yeah. Whew, that, hey. that character is yeah. frightening. Uh, way ahead of its time. <laughs> and all, both of them, actually, because when, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but like in, you know, like 1926, I believe, is, uh, is uh, Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand that at that time, movies were relatively new, you know? Yeah. And people going to them and gathering together. And uh, in Phantom of the Opera, when that movie was first being shown to the public in theaters, people would faint when their mask came off and you saw I Lon mean... Chaney's face. They, they, yeah, they literally <laughs> would frightening. faint. No, you imagine, Ezreal, you're like, let's say you're 17 years old, 18 years old, and you're a kid and you've never seen anything. You've never seen a movie before. and then they take the mask off and you see that shit in front of you it's like and people were literally passing out in theaters so but those are that's about as good as it gets as as far as like silent you know uh like scary movies nosferatu and 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 um uh and uh, phantom of the opera 
at the new 400. Check them out. Mm-hmm. Support them. They need some help, man. So, uh, yeah, you know how it goes. You got to go. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what they, they – uh-oh, wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I Hi. love Nick's Hi, show. Carrie. Hi, how are Hi, you? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, Hi. and I love Nick's show. Oh, she's holding up a sign that says, you said Cocaine Bear is playing at the new 400. Oh, yeah. she, she's in <laughs> that Hi, movie. She wants to go stop I by, I guess. Nick's show. Yeah, Carrie, if you feel like stopping by, making a personal appearance at the new 400 in Rogers Park, that would be great. So, anyway. All right, uh, that's cool. Yeah, John Wick kicks ass. Uh, it just, it just yeah, kicks it. It was it's so just, good. It's just the best. Um, so anyway, uh, and Keanu is just the man. I love the one of my favorite things. I, and I also love that, you know, because like, Lawrence Fishburne doesn't show up in that. I don't think Lawrence Fishburne shows up till the second movie or the third movie. I know he's not. In the uh, first I'm movie. not sure. Yeah. But I love that, you know, they bring Morpheus in. That makes me happy. Like when they, when yeah. they you, you know, the, <laughs> the nice little reunion. It is. <laughs> and, and I love the fact that in this movie, it's like, I've got a new suit for you, John. Made entirely of Kevlar, which of course makes me, which is hilarious, <laughs> because like in order to deflect bullets, he's like he he pulls the jacket up over his head. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. <laughs> oh man, because all you gotta do it's like Dracula. You know when he he holds the, <laughs> the the cape up. Speaking of Dracula, I saw Dracula last night. Oh, uh, the 1979 version. Have you ever seen that one with Frank Langella? I- I have not. Um, they showed it at the Gene Siskel Film Center down on State Street oh. as part of, they did a series of films. They did four films. That was the last one. They did a series of films, and the, the, the theme was Scored by John Williams. Oh, and they fun. Were, they were all movies with John Williams scores, because John Williams just turned, I think, 92. Oof. Uh, and he was in town. He's, I think he's still in town. He, he, he did a thing with the CSO, so the Film Center programmed four movies that were scored by him. That's uh, fun, though. Yeah, so they showed Family Plot, which was the last Alfred Hitchcock movie. I went to that. They showed um, mm-hmm. Superman, which I, I mm-hmm. guess is one of the more memorable. I mean, that and Star Wars, I guess, are the two most iconic scores that he did. Right. Uh, and then, oh, man, I can't remember the other one. And then last night they showed uh, Dracula with Frank Langella. Very, very yeah. exciting. And they were all in How was it? It was great. It's a I good... hadn't seen it. Yeah, it was a great print. It looked beautiful. And I hadn't seen it in many years. And, it was, and, and I love that movie. It gets a lot of shit. Like, hardcore horror fans are not fans of it because it's kind of like mm-hmm. Frank Langella is all like, you know, he's, it was made in, it was shot in 1979, released in 70. I'm sorry. It was shot in 1978 and released in 79. So uh, if you ever see the movie, and it's supposed to take place, you know, like in the, in, in the 1800s, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where, when Dracula takes place. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, but he's got like full on blow dried 1978 hair in it, and it's <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at screenshots, and he looks he looks very 70s. Oh my god, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. Like, you watch it, and you're like, holy shit. I mean, yeah. Clearly, this movie came out in 19. He's got like quaffed, like feathered, you know, disco hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but the cast, I mean, he's really good in it, and at the, it, you know, I I really like it. I have and and uh, Lawrence Olivier plays Van Helsing in it, and he's uh, hammered it up to the tenth degree. Donald Pleasance from Halloween is in it, um, mm-hmm. and I had forgotten until I was watching it last night. I'd forgotten that his basic character choice is to eat in every scene. All he does is eat. <laughs> All, it's like you remember how when when the Ocean's movies came out and Brad Pitt. Like they always made fun yeah, of Yeah, he always had snacks. Always yeah. eat. Every goddamn scene, Donald Pleasance is eating. 
And if he's not eating, he wants to eat. And I was like, well, clearly that was something that Pleasance brought in. You know what I mean? And it's weird, too. I'm going to be unique. <laughs> I'm going to eat. eat. Ever- There's one part where they're serving breakfast, and he just, like, grabs, like, ten eggs and sausages. You know, they bring out an English breakfast, and he's grabbing tomatoes. He's, and a, ha- he's a hungry man. <laughs> he's very he run- worried about things. Well, he runs, he runs an insane asylum, and his daughter might be a vampire. So, fuck yeah, yeah I'm just going to eat. Busy. Um, he's busy. Uh, but- <laughs> he's, he's stress-eating. You know? <laughs> the, the other thing that's, that ties it in with the 70s and, and with probably with Frank Langella's, like, you know, hair and everything, the way he looks. Mm-hmm. The guy who directed it is a guy named John Badham, who has directed um, a lot of great movies. He's one of those guys who, one of those workhorse Hollywood guys who's done a bunch of different kinds of movies. This movie was his follow-up to Saturday Night Fever, Esmeralda. So that right there. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. That, <laughs> I'm, that surprised the B- I'm surprised the Bee Gees didn't do a song for Dracula. Yeah. Uh, so. He brought in the same hairstylist. I'm <laughs> exactly, assuming. exactly right. Travolta's hairstylist did that. So, but no, it was fun seeing it in the theater, and um, you know, uh, last night, and it was it was it was pretty cool. And uh, and uh, the girl who was like uh, scanning tickets at the film mm-hmm. center, she was like, she's a young girl because it, it's a it's it's uh, the film center is part of the art institute. So mm-hmm. a lot of the people that work there at the box office and at the concession stand, they're students or they're young. You know, they're all film students or the people right. that, that, that are going to school or, or work at the Art Institute. And there was a young, really cool-looking chick uh, scanning, the, scanning the tickets, and she's loaded with tats and mm-hmm. had, like, had like a, really bunch of, a bunch of really cool horror tats. And last night when I went, I was wearing one of my Texas Chainsaw Massacre t-shirts, and... And as I walk up, she's like, oh, my God, I love your shirt. And, <laughs> and we start screaming about how great Texas Chainsaw is. And then she's showing me her tats and stuff. She's got like a she had a Donnie Darko tattoo of the rabbit mm-hmm. uh, from Donnie Darko. She's got uh, 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 Drew Barrymore on the phone screaming uh, from Scream oh, wow. as a tattoo. She's got she had great tattoo. She had an X-Files tattoo. So she was. So we got along. And I told her all about flashback. I was like, "You gotta come to flashback." There are two cast members from Scream coming. She's like, "Oh my god!" She started like yelling, and I was like, "Yeah, you gotta come. Skeet Ulrich is gonna be there, and you know Jamie Kennedy from Scream." She's like, "Oh my god!" You know, she's like, "You're my friend," and I'm like, "Okay." Her name is Jade. So hi, Jade. Um, and anyway, so she was like, "I've never seen this version of Dracula before." And I'm like, "You should stick your head in and watch." And she wasn't there afterwards. I wanted to get her yeah. thoughts on it, but I didn't see her afterwards. <laughs> but anyway. So, but anyway, uh, no, it was fun to see it with a crowd and um, and watch Donald Pleasant eat. That's that was. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, uh, we have a magic megaphone. Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, as usual, I will play it and then explain uh, what this request entailed. This is from Frank and Crystal Lake. Oh, Frank and Crystal. Maybe he knows Tom Hush. Because that's where Tom Hush is from. Uh, or maybe he knows Jason <laughs> Voorhees, Crystal Lake. So, uh, all right. So here it is, and I will play it back and explain it. Uh, here we go. You ready? Yes. All right. All right. Here we go. Wait a minute. That's Ted Danson. Wait a minute. That's Ted Danson. So. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's Ted Danson. So. Um, Wait a minute. All right. I think you got it. So. You, you understood that. Uh, yes. <laughs> Don't get the reference, but... All right. Well, here's, here's what happened. Frank was watching Body Heat on cable. Okay. Now, have you seen Body Heat? I have not. Body Heat is with uh, William Hurt and Catherine... Uh, uh, 
uh, my God, Turner, Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is came, came out in 1981, and it is a... Uh, uh, sort of a, 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 a tribute to film noir, like Double Indemnity, where a couple gets together to knock off the husband. You know, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it's very sexy. And it was like, you know, very hot and sexy. And, you know, at the time in 1981, uh, Kathleen Turner was like really hot at that time. That was the movie that really put her over the top. She's naked. And she and, and William Hurt are like naked three quarters of the movie. Their butts are hanging out and everything, the whole movie. And it's, bu- <laughs> and it's a bunch of, it all takes place in, in Florida. There's a lot of sweaty sex and shit in it. You know what I mean? Oh. And they have an affair and they're going to kill her husband and all that shit. So it's like a takeoff on the double indemnity film noir genre, but with a lot of early 80s sweaty nakedity and sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ted Danson's in it. And uh, this was pre-Cheers when this movie came out. So Frank is watching it. Uh, and when Ted Danson showed up, he said, hey, that's Ted Danson. Because he didn't, he didn't know Ted Danson was in it. Right. <laughs> and so suddenly you're watching this movie from 1981, this, you know, this movie that you've known. And all of a sudden, here's Ted Danson. And the, the weird connection, and, this, and Frank did not bring this up in his email. He said that I, I didn't know Ted Danson was in uh, Body Heat, I was watching it late on cable the other night, and then he saw, you know... Wait a minute! That's Ted Danson! So he got all excited because Ted Danson was in it. Uh, but here's the connection. Are you ready for this? You do. Are you ready for mm-hmm. this? They did a little Easter egg meta joke on the first episode of Cheers, you know, before meta became what it is now, where every goddamn television show and movie has meta stuff in it. Because mm. that's the thing now is to be meta and inside and jokes about that kind of stuff. But in the first episode of Cheers, if you go back to the pilot of Cheers, when they're establishing all the characters, you know, your norms and your cliffs and everybody there. And they're having a conversation and they make a list of the sweatiest movies of all time. So they're in the bar and everybody in the bar like Cliff and Norm and they're like, hey, let's talk about Let's make a list of the sweatiest movies of all time. And... um. Somebody says body heat. And then uh, Sam, who is Ted Danson, says, I don't know. I've never seen that movie. Get it? Because he's in it. Mm. So that Mm -hmm. was like a meta joke before meta joke because Ted Danson's in body heat. And the guys in Cheers are talking about sweaty movies and they bring up body heat. And that's a double joke because Ted Danson's in it. So. Got it. So, uh, and I, I, I'm sorry to complicate things, Frank and Crystal Lake. You just were excited to see Ted Danson in Body Heat, and I just brought the whole yeah. thing in. He's just a huge Ted Danson fan. Right, right. Well, then maybe he, sh- he should definitely check out the pilot episode of Cheers where they make the Body Heat joke, an inside, inside mm. joke for, for mm-hmm. Body Heat. All right. Boring man, you're all feckin' boring. Right. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all feckin' boring. All right, take it easy. All right. Um, so we're continuing with uh, solutions to problems that are not solutions. Um, and what about this hand sanitizer thing, Esmeralda? Have you seen this one? Well, I'm. Well, that's. <laughs> That one, considering you know everything, uh, coronavirus and, and all that, it's a little, yeah. uh, a li- not disheartening, I guess. Just <laughs> you know what? I don't know why I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but so in most situations, hand sanitizer is less effective at killing germs than classic water and soap. Yeah, 
So, well, although, you know what, you should never, you should never use hand sanitizer, in my opinion, unless you're in a real, uh, in a real pickle and you can't get to water and soap. It's not a good, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's not a good substitute. Yeah. Honestly, water and soap is the, the first thing I, I believe you should do. And then if you have to, if there's no other recourse, hand sanitizer. Well, you know, it, it was it was it got to the point though where like, you know, uh, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer. You know, you had hand sanitizer everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and people. Oh still... yeah, giant bottles. Yeah, and then you never knew if it was going to be liquid or gel. <laughs> yeah, or foam because they had the foamy ones too. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, but I remember when I was still at the car wash and I was the only person who was coming in, Tom and I were the only people that were coming in to do a show. Everybody else was doing their shows from home. So we would come in and the engineer, Adam would wipe down the entire studio and the mics and all that stuff. And, yeah. and we had hand sanitizer. There were hand sanitizer bottles every three feet, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. but Just cover but, yourself I mean, in it. <laughs> but you never would, but you, but they would always say, wash your hands. And, and remember, remember back when the, when, uh, the, the pandemic started as well, the word, they were like, there were like PSAs on what's the correct way to wash your hands. Remember how they were, we, had, yeah. we all, we all had to be retaught on the correct way to wash our hands. Oh, well, because half, half the, half the population doesn't know how to wash their hands. They just think going you know, rubbing their hands together a little bit with some soap is is just enough. It's like, no, no, no. You actually have to rub your hands right. in the back of your hands and your fingers. And yeah, yeah you're missing yep. a lot of spots there. Yeah, People didn't people didn't even pay attention. And then suddenly it's like, well, you might die if you don't correctly wash your hands. Exactly. And what's the what's the thing? Have you heard this, Esmeralda? Where you're you if you sing happy birthday to me, that's how long you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to sing it twice. Twi- oh, that's twice. Long. Yeah, that's how long it'll it'll take to wash your hands properly. Properly, okay. So it, it's mm-hmm. like happy birthday. So and not fast, right? Like the normal tempo. Yeah, because anybody can go happy twice, birthday too. Happy that's... birthday too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because nobody knows. Everyone's like, oh, I don't know how to wash my hands. Right. Uh, how long? It's like, yeah. how about you just wash them? Mm-hmm. You know, get in all the nooks and crannies because I know you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and but yeah, it turns out that uh, if you sing "Happy Birthday" twice, that is the amount of time that it takes to properly wash your hands. Right. So there, then you won't have any worries ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, do not opt for the uh, the hand sanitizer if soap and water are available. Yeah, and honestly, before before the the whole pandemic, I never really used hand sanitizer. I just didn't. I didn't like the idea that you're just putting hand sanitizer on your hands, mm-hmm. but you're not wiping anything away. So, yes, it's killing the germs, but now you just have dead germs on your hands. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> and and I have this thing, and you know this, we've talked about this before, Esmeralda, where I have this thing about, like, for me, the hand sanitizer has to be the um, the alcoholy kind. Like, I don't want the lotion kind, because I hate lotion of any kind. You, right. We've talked about this. Yeah. Um, uh, where like in you, you know, we, you know, where, when I bartended, my skin would be like dry as hell, you know, cause you have to, you know, you wash glasses and they would have mm-hmm. lotion, like hand lotion behind the bar. And I never used it. I can't stand any kind of like, lo- I don't like suntan lotion. I don't like any kind of lotion or oily substance on my hands or on my skin at all. So, 
if I and that and you know and if I do use hand sanitizer, you know, like and and at that time, you know, when it was a must, I it was always a crapshoot. Am I going to get a lotiony one, and then I'd hate it. You know what I mean? Then I'd go to the bathroom and wash it off. <laughs> I go to the bathroom and and then you would just wash your hands. I would wash my hands because I'd be <laughs> like, God damn it! You know, like I don't want this lotiony. I hate lotion of any kind. So, and you never know what you're going to get, as you said. Yeah. Um, you know, and I still see people using it, and which is cool. You know, uh, like uh, like oh yeah, I'm a, no people. There's still jugs. Yeah. I mean, well, I also people see have the, businesses have jugs of them. Yes. So they have to get rid of it. <laughs> and and not only that, but I mean, you know, a lot of buildings when you walk into a building or a lot of uh, a lot of uh, office buildings and offices in themselves have the automatic one where you stick your hand under by the elevator and mm-hmm. and it shoots it out. That's what they had over at uh, on on Wacker when uh, when I was still working at the car wash. In the lobby, you could stick your hand under there, and then it would squirt some out on, uh, on mm-hmm. your hand. Uh, but also, I see people on the L um, who have their backpacks, and the little one that's attached to your backpack, the little hand oh, sanitizer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People use it on the subway all the time or on the L all the time. You always got to be ready. Yeah. Well, you never know what the hell you're going to be touching on a subway. So, you know. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, how often do you ride your, your, your bike, Esmeralda? You're a bike rider, right? Yeah, I bike. Uh, I bike every day. Wow. Okay. Now, do you? Mm-hmm. It, 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 some of it is necessity because you go to your job to do so. Mm-hmm. But do you just sometimes go? Hey, let's bike. Um, more so in the summer mm-hmm. uh, than well, in the yeah. colder temperatures. But yeah, yeah. Now, do you have? I try, you to, have... I try to bike a lot more in the summer to get do places. You, do you have um, one of those cool ass helmets that I'm looking at right now in the article? Oh no! I don't have one of those. <laughs> I don't have one of those speed helmets. Yeah, one of those badass, <laughs> crazy-looking, like sci-fi Ugh. helmets. Yeah. Oh god, I hate those so much. Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> you have just a regular helmet, not like a. I have um. Mine actually has a as a um. It looks like almost like a hat. It has a lip to it. It has a front. Yeah, uh, I've seen lip it. to it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not. It's so. It's not one of these like crazy ass like. Uh, he looks like this guy looks like a stormtrooper from uh, Star Wars with this thing. Um, right? No. Uh, yeah. Those like. Yeah. They're like the speed. They're like for rate. I mean, most yeah. people. Well, most people get those because that's usually what you see. Um, but yeah, most um, like racing and all that kind of stuff. That's the. That's the helmet they use. Uh, it looks like like half an egg. Essentially, yeah. yeah, it's weirdly shaped. Well, here's what they say about this in the in this uh, so bad solutions to problems. Use of a bicycle helmet actually encourages cars to drive closer to cyclists, thus increasing the risk of an accident. Want some extra space? Drivers are more likely to pass with a wide berth when uh, riders appear to be from behind to be female. What does that even mean? Like, so what do they want? But but the, the how is that a tip? <laughs> I wear a wig if Want you're a guy. Extra wear extra space. Wear Pretend a long... to be be female. Be yeah. female looking from the back. Like what? So put it put it put a <laughs> give yourself give yourself a wig and a booty. Is that like is that's that... I'm just yeah. <laughs> I don't your, understand under... this tip here. <laughs> under your okay, helmet. thanks. We'll try it. Because <laughs> and don't wear a helmet. Just be a chick with no helmet, and you'll be fine. <laughs> And you'll be fine. Yeah. So ridiculous. 
Thanks. Uh, thanks, thanks for the tip. I'm yep. gonna wear. I'm gonna get my wig and booty so that I can so that I can, so I don't get hit by a car when I'm riding my bike. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, you know, you got to take advantage of the bike lanes because there aren't that many. But downtown, they got a ton of them down there. You ever get to ride around right. downtown? Um, no, because even with the uh, bike lanes, people yeah. are jackasses. I can imagine. don't know how to drive. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. So, but, but, but you're a woman, so it's okay. I mean, you, you should. Yeah, apparently, according to this article, <laughs> <laughs> they'll give me a wide berth. Have you ever sure. had any? Have you ever had any issues on your bike? Have you ever had an accident or anything like that? Or, or uh, yeah, no, I've been doored. I've been doored. You on have. My bike. Yep. What, what happened? How'd that happen? What? I was. Someone was. I was riding my bike, and someone opened their door, and I got doored, and it was Were completely you their fault. Were you hurt? Um, I mean, I was sore, but I was going slow enough that it didn't. I didn't cause any major damage. It was just really annoying because they kind of just brushed it off as if nothing happened. And they yeah. said to be more careful, even though it's on their end. I Anytime a, a biker gets doored, yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> it's completely yeah. your fault. <laughs> I doored a guy when I was getting out of a cab, um, and it was the cab was the cab was stopped because it was you know the traffic was really kind of like heavy, mm-hmm. and I was like, dude, let me out here, and I'll jump out. And so the 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 bike rider was coming up. Uh, so the 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 cab was next to uh, some parked cars, mm-hmm. and as I opened the door, he was coming up from behind, and I didn't see him. And as I opened up the door between the parked car and the and and the cab, uh, yeah. I opened up the door, and the cab and the and the bike, and he was going like ninety. The bike rider was going like ninety, and I didn't even see him. And I opened up the door, and he hit the and he hit the and he hit the car door, and then flew over over the car door. Jesus. Yeah, uh, he was going. Yeah, that's fast. completely your fault. <laughs> he was. He, he was going fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't look. I didn't look because you know I didn't even think anybody was coming because it was between the the space between the parked car and the cab was really tiny. So I didn't even mm-hmm. think that a cab. I didn't even think a bike was going to fit there. And this guy comes flying like going ninety in a in a slot that I just didn't even think because uh, now when you when I'm getting when I'm going to get out of a car and I look you know on the left side and I look. Into the road, I will I will check. But if I'm getting out on the right side, in between a parked car and the cab, and the space between the parked car and the cab, I don't know, is like a maybe a foot. I, I just didn't think anything was going to happen. I opened the door and he hit yeah, the, he hit the thing, and so and he flew over, and then I was like, I'm sorry, I, you know, and, we, and I, you know, I stood. He went flying over, and he hurt his arm. Um, and you know, and the, and we had to file. I had to wait for the cops to come because he had to file a report because I was in a cab. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so the cops come and everything, and then I was not given a ticket of any kind. Neither was the neither was the cab. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I don't know what the rules. Is there some sort of rule about passing a car on the right between parking? Um, that I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's just a thing of it's it's essentially on you because yeah. you are. They don't know how. I don't. There's no way for you to know if someone's going to get out of a car yeah. at any point in time. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. It's. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's true. It's just that it's more likely, like, it's more likely that you're getting out on the left side that you should check as opposed to, like, you know, a foot between a parked car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, the car was a, the, the parked car was a foot away. And I opened the door yeah. and he was flying. And I was like, oh, all right. 
you know, I didn't expect anybody to be flying through between a, a cab and a parked car. I didn't know that that was going to happen. So, and I felt terrible about it. I was like, you know, but you know, yeah. So I, so, and, and yeah, so, I mean, I've, I, you know, it, it, and, and if I, for someone who has doored somebody in, in a cab, I felt like shit. Right. I felt terrible about it, <laughs> but the guy came out of nowhere and I, and it was on the right side of the car as opposed to the left. And I always thought it was like, what well, that seemed weird to me. I don't know. So, but, but by the way, he was wearing one of those helmets. <laughs> wearing, of course. He was wearing one of the Darth, <laughs> he was wearing one of the Darth Vader helmets. So his head was not, uh, his head was fine. And the problem was, I didn't know it was a chick. That was the thing. If it was a chick, I wouldn't open the door. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> if he would have had the wig and the booty, everything would have been fine. So anyway, I don't know. All right. But yeah. Uh, do you, is there a bike path that you like in the city? Are there, are there better ones than others? Because if you ride your bike on the... Uh, um, going down into the, um, or going up, if you go north, uh, through the parks is always nice. Cause there's, there's bike paths in the, the park. Um, but if you go north of Foster, there is a park. It's so it's over at like, by the, it's by the river, by the oh, river, by the river. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you just take, you can take that all the way up into, uh, the suburbs. Oh, Which so right fun. by the right by the jewel, like at Foster and Pulaski, that because uh, there's that park area right there by the river. Uh, no, it's um, it's a little more east. East, okay. Of that, yeah, it's okay. by the river. Okay. Yeah, the river is a lovely. It's it's lovely. You ever canoe down the river, the Chicago River? No, no, I don't. I don't get into the water like that. <laughs> I don't. Do, I don't do that. <laughs> I have friends who do it. My and they love it. To, my, but my, no. ex, my ex-wife used to do it all the time. They would bring yeah. beer and they would get in a canoe and they would go down the Chicago River. I'm like, you couldn't pay me. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I'd rather I'd rather go down the river near the Deliverance guys. I would rather do that. Than... <laughs> so anyway, all right. Well, be safe when you're on your bike. Don't let anybody like me near you. I guess. <laughs> no, yeah, essentially. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Um, we have uh, some Mexican candy uh, to taste test. Yes. Um, what did you? What, let's tell everyone what we're going to taste test here. Um, so I have no idea what it is. Um, <laughs> I don't either. Because it's I'm, just a blank. It was just a blank. Yeah. Plastic. Right. Um, so what I'm assuming it is because it's in. So it's in a cup and it has a lollipop holder, but it looks like um, a a drink called. Uh, mango nada, mm-hmm. which is mango mango uh, sorbet, and then they also put in chamoy. They put in tahine, um, and it's frozen. They'll put frozen mango in it. Um, so it's like a it's mm. like sorbet and like chili yeah. powder, and it's supposed to mimic essentially eating a mango okay. with uh, all, right. all the stuff in it. Okay. If I can get it out. Let's see if we. Yeah, but this, I know, is this is a lolly. This is a lollipop essentially, but it's it's made to look like that. Right. Okay. So I don't even. Oh, there it goes. Okay, got it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so it's got the 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 tahini and stuff, the salty sweet stuff at the bottom, and then All it right. looks like a mango like mango sorbet yeah. or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Let's give this a. Oh my gosh, that mango mm. really tastes like mango. <laughs> mm. Like I thought it was going to taste like candy. 
Mm. Mango, mm. but that tastes like mango. Like, mm -hmm. wow, good job, whoever oh, made that's these. That's good. That's good. Yeah, these don't have a label. These don't have a label or anything. So you can't <laughs> give credit. <clears throat> you can't give credit where credit is due. Just go to Dulcelandia. Yes. You can look them up because they have many locations. The one that we I'm went sure to was on, is on Fullerton near Pulaski is the one that we went mm -hmm. to. And they have uh, a ton of candy. It's nothing. Well, I mean, the place is called uh, Candyland. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, so, so you got a ton of candy and you can get your pinatas and your pinatas filled and you can get balloons. Whatever, mm -hmm. whatever crazy candy party stuff that you want, it's there. Oh, yes. So, yeah. So this stuff is good, man. This is good. Yeah, that's nice. Really good. I like how, I mean, it's just I was not expecting it to taste like mm. like actual mango. Delicious. Oh, I usually enjoy, it tastes I, like, I, I, like I'm enjoying, fake. I'm enjoying all the Mexican candy that we've tried. I'm telling you. Except for, no, the, except for, the, except for the hot stuff that blew my brains out. That whatever that. Mm. <laughs> but I'm a wimp when it comes to that, I think. I don't have a big tolerance for a lot of heat. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold it. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Uh, hi, and Carrie. I love Nick's show. Oh, look. That's my, oh. that's my, it's my dad. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. Oh, yes! Here we go! All right. And again, my dad going to be telling jokes with Rich Coe's Svengooli yeah. himself. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> That's gonna it's going to be, gonna be a good. It's going to be dad's, good. My dad's like, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. I'm like, Rich is the nicest guy in the world, Dad. Yeah. Don't but you nervous. know what? He has to be nervous because the second he's not nervous, it's not going to yeah. It's not gonna be fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I will say this, and you know what I mean? Uh, we've, we've had three shows so far, three live shows so far, and my dad uh, has killed at the end of each show. Like oh, yeah. he, he gets up there mm -hmm. and he tells the jokes and he kills. And so imagine my 81-year-old dad stealing the show tonight at Zany's in Rosemont, but being up there with Svengooli. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Svengooli and your dad are going to kill. They, they're going to get along. They're going to do a great show. Thing. All right. Well, here's my dad. <laughs> hi, dad. Hi. hi. All right. Here, here we go. What do you call an artist that makes sculptors out of bicycle parts? Cycle Angelo. Wait. Now, I got to tell you, I did not know that we were going to be talking about bicycles today. And that turned yeah, out look at that. Look <laughs> at that. <laughs> that was just actually fate. See, cycle. Psych theme we just know in our yeah, bones somehow. Psychelangelo. Right. Mm -hmm. See? Get it? Boy, sometimes fate works out weird. I, honest to God, mm. had no idea that we were going to, one of the lead-ins to my dad's joke was going to be a conversation about bikes. I had no idea. <laughs> so, anyway. All right, cool. All right, Esmeralda, thank you. That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I got a few more of these weird Can't wait to see to it do. live. Yeah, okay. and, uh, and, and but again, <laughs> if you're listening on Tuesday morning, tonight, uh, it will be the big show with, uh, with Sven Gulli, Rich Coes at Zanies. Uh, Rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. 
Uh, hurry up and get them because I think they're going to go uh, well. If they're not gone by now, they will be. So get your tickets now. Uh, as uh, I will see you on uh, on uh, Friday. Mm-hmm. No, I will see you tonight. What the hell is wrong mm-hmm. with me? I will see you tonight at Zany's, and then uh, we will be back on the podcast together on Friday when Eric Childress and Steve Procopi make their bi-weekly visit. Very uh, nice. A lot of movie reviews to, to do, including Esmeralda, they made a movie out of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, boy. Yeah, man. It's going to be lots of nerds. Yeah, man. All right, so. Anyway, we'll tell you all about that. My thanks to Dan Feinberg and to everybody for listening. Spread the word. Uh, advertise with us if you want. Be a sponsor. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Voicemails are always open 24-7. We want to hear from you. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs and Ed at Radio Misfits. And my thanks to you. And we will see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. <laughs>